Welcome to the Action for Happiness podcast. As always, I'm your host, Guy. Action for Happiness is a movement of people committed to building a happier and more caring society. Visit the website actionforhappiness.org forward slash podcasts for more details and to access the latest audio and video podcasts. On today's episode, I visit our friend and researcher, Julieta Galente at Cambridge University. We spoke on an earlier podcast as she was embarking on the largest mindfulness research project at Cambridge University involving 600 students across 31 colleges. I drive down to catch up with Julieta a year on and she gives us a detailed breakdown on the results, especially on stress during exam terms that was published in the Guardian newspaper recently. So yes, so we chose to measure psychological distress, which is kind of the bad type of stress. As I said, it was a very pragmatic question because authorities here wanted to know whether mindfulness would help students here. That was mm-hmm. the, the way the study began. The, the good news is that the, the study showed a really positive effect of mindfulness, uh, independently of um, how much mindfulness you practiced. On average, including in the analysis, including in that average, people who just attended one session or even even no sessions at all, like just signed up for the course, including all those people, we still found that on average students who did mindfulness uh, were less distressed. Mindfulness in education is becoming more popular because of research like this that is helping the science of mindfulness keep up with the enthusiasm. Don't forget to like and subscribe to get updates on the latest audio and podcast videos. It's nice to be back in Cambridge, and in fact, the last time that I was here is when the last time that we spoke. Mm-hmm. So that's an earlier podcast. People can go check that out. You were heading up a research project that included about 31 colleges. We were trying to dig into the, the effectiveness of mindfulness or the mindfulness course. Yeah. And you weren't too sure what the results were going to be, but we were very excited about you know the potential. So a year later, um, I, a Guardian article that I was reading, I said, oh, mindfulness um, research results. And then I saw your name pop up and I'm like, yes, okay, it's time to get back <laughs> down there and, and have a catch up. So, um, yeah. yeah, so, so tell us, how, how has this whole, this whole project been? And now that, the, um, that, that part is, is finished, perhaps you can explain, um, I wouldn't even know where to begin. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, so the floor is yours. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah, it has been very exciting. Um, I think when we spoke, we were still collecting data, some data. We have now analysed the the main outcome and uh, almost all the secondary outcomes as well. Uh, We still need to analyse the one-year follow-up data, that means um, the questionnaires and the data that was collected one year after students were um, recruited. So that will give us a better idea of what happens in the long term Mm -hmm. with the effects of mindfulness practice or, you know, one thing is mindfulness practice. Another thing is having been offered a mindfulness course and perhaps have done just one or two sessions. And we're also interested in the effects of people who just have just done one or two sessions, perhaps, and haven't practiced after that. But yeah, the whole spectrum. So so that will you will have to come again for that one <laughs> in, a, in a, another... Year well, or two. No, year, no, year, not, well, hopefully 
mm -hmm. bit less than that. But yeah, you never know. It's just uh, there's lots of data and projects, and it's all great. It's all really bubbling good mindfulness. And to be clear, that the research that you were doing was to show the effectiveness of the the mindfulness course itself. Yeah, the the, the provision of the course. The provision here in of Cambridge. The provision of the course, not the actual attending a full eight week course. Exactly. Because yes. as you mentioned, some people would drop out. Exactly. And, and you wanted to keep it as real as possible. Yes. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. And the the the, the trial was set up with the authorities here in Cambridge and, for instance, the head of the counselling service, as I, as I explained before. And they have a very pragmatic approach to, to research. They, want, they have concrete questions about, does this work? Does it work? Does it, is, is it going to solve a problem that we have now mm -hmm. or not? It's not? This type of research is not like, uh, for instance, an experimental study where you use um, things like imaging, brain imaging and things like that, where you're interested in answering questions about how something, how something works and you know, what are the effects on the brain, which will then perhaps translate into effects in, in the psychology of a person and in the mental health and mm -hmm. the well-being like later on, or there's a cascade um, of things that can happen. But here we are, we're kind of skipping all the mechanisms route like how you know and what happens in the brain that makes your mental health change we're, we're skipping all that and we're going straight to the to the mental health outcomes to the to, to the answers to answering what these people counselors mm -hmm. want to answer or people who are in charge of the welfare of students want want uh, us to answer so so yes so we chose to measure psychological distress which is kind of the bad type of stress so distress. Yeah. Distress mm -hmm. is, is, is the bad guy. Like stress uh, is really a situation where your, your body gets aroused. It gets um, in, in a kind of action mode. But that could be for a good reason. And that, and that would bring excitement and, and the feeling of you being up to the challenge. And that, it's like giving a presentation in front of people, the stress. If, if you're if you're happy, if you are excited about the presentation, mm -hmm. it can be a positive yes. um, experience of mm -hmm. adrenaline. But the adrenaline uh, before playing a, a match, like a, I don't know, football is your hobby, and when you're about to go out to mm -hmm. the beach, you you feel excitement and a bit yeah. of fear and a bit of adrenaline and you know all these things. But but it's mostly something you experience with with a degree of pleasure. Mm -hmm. So that's the, it's called you stress. So EU and stress, that's yeah. kind of the, the positive one. And, and the, f the effects of that one are different on mm. the body and the mental health than the effects of the, the bad one, which is the distress, which is when you, when you experience something as, you know, you, what, what predominates is fear and it's a situation you don't want to happen. And it's, well, it can be acute or chronic as well, but you know, when, you're being mugged or where mm -hmm. that could be a bad acute situation or where, where, where there's a fire but then there could be if you're getting beaten at home or you're well that could be yeah. A, yeah an acute distressful situation but then this the the exams and the academic stress is less acute it's more like uh, spread through months or sometimes even years um, and that is the type of distress that um, we were aiming to measure and to Mm -hmm. to capture here and to see whether mindfulness could help with that one. 
So, so that is what. Uh, and that had already been proven, but you were, you were going to show that it is also true in this student environment. Yeah, yeah. It's always trying to confirm previous studies and, right. and trying to see it, whether it extends to the population yes. you're, you're interested in. And in this, in this case, as I said, it was a very pragmatic question because authorities here wanted to know whether mindfulness would help students here. That was mm -hmm. the, the way the study began. But then we are also researchers and we also want to know whether it helps students in general. So there's also, you know, are you able to translate those results into yeah. the wider student population? Anyway, so the, the good news is that the, the study showed a really positive effect of mindfulness, uh, independently of um, how much mindfulness you practiced. Well, I mean, there, there may be differences, which, which we found that um, people who practiced more would get more benefit, but um, on average, including in the analysis, including in that average, people who just attended one session or even even no sessions at all, like just signed up for the course, including all those people, we still found that on average, students who did mindfulness uh, were less distressed during the exam term than students who hadn't done any mindfulness. Would that also be true then to stress? Because you, you, you you've specifically de-stress. De well, what if it isn't? But what if it's stress? What we don't know because we didn't measure. You didn't measure the, the good the good one, but we we measured well-being, for instance, which is mm -hmm. um, a, a scale that measure, measures positives. You know, I've been feeling well. I've been feeling useful, happy, or in contact, in connection with others, and that also showed a positive effect. So people right. were feeling more more of a well-being, more of a positive aspects of of life. Mm -hmm and less distress, less of the negative psychological distress that is very linked with anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. the, the negative distress could lead easily into anxiety and depression. And also people who are anxious and depressed, clinically, if you give them a distress scale yeah. many times, or I would say pretty much always they will score high in psychological mm -hmm. distress as well. Like it makes sense, it's, yeah. it's a bit of common sense there. Um, so, yeah, we saw that, so people, the students who did the course or who were offered the course felt better after finishing the course, but then, then they, they, after they started, there was a period where, well, they had a break and then they started revising for exams mm -hmm. and then they had the exams. Well, during all the period after finishing the course, their distress levels were kept down mm -hmm. at almost the level where they finished mm -hmm. the mindfulness course. So, so the effect was maintained, yeah. yes. exactly, mm -hmm. throughout a really hard period for them mm -hmm. um, of a lot of pressure. While the, the students in the control group, their distress went up and up. Mm. With and is that, is that the normal pattern for, for yes. those? That is, so well, they followed their norm, that, the normal pattern of an increase in the de-stress. Exactly, the control group represents what would happen without the mindfulness. And because they were randomly assigned to mindfulness or the control group, it mm -hmm. would be kind of a fair comparison. Yeah. Um, and yes, uh, that we assume that that's what would happen with, with most um, students here in Cambridge that their distress levels go go up and 
it's interesting and it's worrying as well because uh, well, we have the, the distress scale has a, a clinical cutoff point. That means that when you have a scale, you, you score, yeah, you can <coughs> score like a scale can be from one to five, for instance, and you can score one, two, three, mm. three and a half, whatever, four or five. But then there's some people have done studies showing, okay, how, what's, what's the number you have to be on that scale to be deemed to need counseling, for instance, mm. to be deemed to, be, to need clinical help. Yes. So, so there's a point, there's a point in the scale where if you score more than that, you mm. are kind of in the clinical range mm. where you actually would need some, some counseling sessions, yes. for instance. Okay, so 50, more than 50% of the students in the control group were mm. above the clinical cutoff point. Wow. So they were in the clinical mm -hmm. range when they were revising for exams. That's, that's a bit concerning, isn't it? Yeah. That, you know, half of the students may be actually, if you, if you extend that to the rest of the student population, they, without any help, they, they may be really struggling with this. And, um, and the mindfulness group, they were, uh, it was like 37% mm. that they, they, who, like 37% of the mindfulness students were above the clinical cutoff point. Yeah, so the majority were not, yeah. The majority were not. I mean, mm. it's still concerning, yes, but right. it's a big decrease. Mm -hmm. So um, basically, another way of saying this is the people who were offered the mindfulness course were one third less likely to be in the clinical range when they were revising for exams. Yeah. That's, that's a huge um, thing for uh, for, a, for an intervention there is, there is preventative and it's a really light in, in a way mm -hmm. intervention is well mindfulness skills for life you're welcome to come and to learn these skills and, mm. and then we, we, have, we have these effects perhaps it doesn't sound uh, big for something like treatment if you mm. are going to be treated for something you would expect a bigger effect but for prevention that's, that's a very good effect because it's harder to prevent than to treat in a way like to get big big effects, mm -hmm. change things big time with prevention, particularly in mental health. Yeah. So we're quite pleased with the, yeah, with the ab results. Absolutely. You're listening to the Action for Happiness podcast. This episode, we speak with Julieta Galente, researching the benefits of mindfulness at Cambridge University. It kind of begs the question then, so if they had been introduced to mindfulness, perhaps at the, um, the secondary school level or, you know, earlier, so by the time it comes to, yeah. you know, these big dissertations and these, you know, coming to Cambridge, for example, and having to, to live the student lifestyle, revising for, for exams that could potentially change the direction of your, of your career or your life. Yeah, there's, there's that potential. Um, well, there's this big study, Myriad. Mm -hmm. I, I think you have yeah. podcasted about it before. Mm -hmm. And well, hopefully we'll get some answers. There's, there's this tran transition period between, well, when, when you finish here in the UK, secondary school, 16 and 18, you, well, most people who go to university, they, they go to university at, when they are 18, more or less. So that is a bit of a transition period where one question, but I'm not an expert, but one question would be, what type of mindfulness intervention would you give to the, those people? Because mm -hmm. perhaps the, the mindfulness intervention that is given by school teachers to 14 year olds is not perhaps so applicable to that group 
but perhaps our intervention mm -hmm. that we teach here, which yeah. is for more of gr like grown-up yeah. people, perhaps it's also not so applicable. That's that's that's, a, that's an age where I think uh, it would be nice to have a bit more data. But yes, yes, mm -hmm. I think you're right. Um, uh, we just we just don't know when when is the best moment to bring in all these things. There's also a developmental. Um, aspect of it, like when are you? When is your brain or your mind ready to mm -hmm. to practice things like meta awareness or executive control? Mm -hmm. And what exercises do you need to teach that are going to be engaging for the, for the, that age? Yeah. So there's lots of questions there. Like these these interventions that are about prevention courses and things that are about prevention, they have to be very engaging. They have to be People need to be happy with doing them, yeah. and they have to be kind of sound like exciting, and they have to sound like um, it's not stigmatizing or it's not um, going to affect you. You know, you need to attract people. There's more of a consumer aspect of it than with treatment. With treatment, your GP says, "Well, you need this." I mean, you need this. There's yeah. this is doctor's advice, yeah. and so people will do it. Perhaps it's not. No, so so exciting and I don't know the tablet is not tasting very well but mm. you will still try to do it but yeah. with prevention is a bit so so there's lots of aspects so that's one of the things that we were also pleased that um, the students were happy to attend the courses although mm -hmm. you know attendance was far from perfect so 60% did four sessions or more mm -hmm. out of the eight sessions yeah. so only 60% did half of the course or more but for a preventative course with university students who have lots of things in their minds yeah. and you know they're worried about uh, about lots of things the 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 exams and their homework and things but also social life social life yeah. just just that is huge mm. so well we, we were also satisfied with with those numbers and it was part of the study was to to see how good that would be so did you know, how involved were you in actually the interacting with the students and did, are there any like anecdotal stories or things that you saw along the way that really yeah, well, stuck the, out for you? The, I didn't teach the course, mm. so there was a mindfulness teacher and I did the research, but yes, we did get some, some feedback. Um, and most of it was very positive and some people said that the mindfulness course was was life-changing for them yeah. um, we're trying to follow people up as well for a bit longer to see what happens after they finish university so that's an, a study that we're yeah. trying to get up and running um, yeah and then well also some other interesting feedback perhaps from a minority of students but things that you need to bear in mind mm. like um, just two or three students said they loved mindfulness but they were not comfortable with the group setting mm -hmm. and they preferred to do it uh, alone or in a very small group and these were big groups up to 30 people mm -hmm. uh, so that's that's an interesting point and then other people who had um, something something coming up in their lives like well I, I don't remember exactly but perhaps breaking relationships mm -hmm. breaks or things like that and suddenly they were not able to they, they would go to mindfulness and they were not able to think of anything else other than that. Mm. So instead of mindfulness bringing them more calm, they would bring up 
the, yeah. the, the issue and make it more salient. Mm -hmm. And so they had to stop attending. They, they had a chat with the mindfulness teacher mm -hmm. who was all the time trying to uh, make sure that she would have a personal relationship with yes. people. I yeah. mean, it's 30 people that but she would say, please come and tell me, you know, if she, if, if you need, um, if you are having a rough time or you are not comfortable with the practice, we can have a one-to-one -one mm -hmm. outside the course or 15 minutes after the session, she would stay and she would make sure that everyone had their questions answered. Mm. That's what I thought is that's very important for mm. these cases, which are really very few, but cases where people are not, th there's some aspect of the course that they are not finding so comfortable. Um, and we did exclude people with um, mental health yeah. crises and things, but still you, you do get uh, people who in the middle of the course, they something comes True. up or, yeah. you know, something develops. So I think that's, that's quite important. And it, yeah, uh, it's just something that comes up if you listen to, mm. to people apart from this course and the, yeah. and the quantitative measures. So the, so the question, does mindfulness help improve exam results? Mm -hmm. Did we get any closer to that? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So, so we did measure these. We tried to measure it as best as possible. Mm. Um, it's hard in a university where um, you have, the university has these colleges and, and they are very independent from each other. Exams are still exams for the whole university. Mm -hmm. But we, we were hoping to get more detail on some things, but we, we really, what we got was the, the grades. That's, that's the only tool we had to really assess mm. how people did in exams and the grades for, for undergrads. And the result was, was surprising. Um, we, it's not, it wasn't our main outcome, meaning that we are not in the best position to have a conf confirmed answer like we can suggest something yeah. based on on this outcome we we would need a much bigger sample size to answer the question effectively for mm. instance but there was there was an indication that mindfulness people who did mindfulness had more more firsts mm -hmm. than the control group but also more thirds okay you get yeah. that yeah, yeah? yeah. so it's hard to interpret and we cannot get much into the details because we don't have power to, to yeah. look at it more, more in detail. We would need more people, as I said, but, but there's, there's, there's that hint that mm -hmm. some people who did mindfulness, perhaps they would otherwise have had a two-two and they had perhaps a first, yeah. but then other people, instead of having perhaps a, you know, a second, two, one to two, whatever, yeah. they had a third. Yeah. That's what we saw. But then it could happen as well that people who have who have thirds, they would have otherwise um, intermitted, meaning stopped mm -hmm, yeah. studying. So perhaps... Well, yes, yeah, it's very difficult to tell, isn't it? Well, you kind of... Unfortunately, we, we would need more numbers. Because Daniel Goleman, in the, the podcast that we had with him, and even in his latest book, Altered Traits, you know, does mention that mindfulness helps in exam results. And, you know, when you, when you hear something like that, because even Willem, Dr. Willem Kuchen at Doctor Mindfulness Centre before said, you know, there was no direct, no proof yet as such. There was perhaps suggestions and, you know, independent 
research. Um, but yeah, if it was proven that mindfulness did, yeah, you know that could, it would it would um, well certainly make your work and the the, the research that you you're doing have so much more meaning now because now we start people say oh mindfulness makes you relax and zen and yeah. you chill out but if we went you know in the education system you know we've got the dot b and pause.b that are trying to implement mindfulness in schools but if there was actually scientific fact that says across the board mindfulness helps improve your exam results i mean what an amazing way to kind of position it yeah yeah there's lots of aspects to it i feel it's 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 complex just just to go back to whether, you know, what's the evidence for that. Yeah, mm. there's some studies uh, showing that there's an improvement. Other studies uh, don't, don't show any, any differences. And this one, there's a lot of psychological factors. I mean, there's, there's, there's the attention factor, mm. like the, the very sensible theory that if your attention improves, mm. then you may do, do better at the exams. Than well, if you're trying to read a page, right? You've yeah. got a textbook and you're trying to read a page and remember. If you're reading and then you think, oh, I've got to go to Sainsbury's and buy some milk. And you're trying to read and you think, oh, I've got to go to that party later on. If you can develop that, that muscle to keep bringing it back to the textbook, yeah. then like you said, the, that, has, that has to correlate somehow as far as you know, memory for your exams. That yeah. has to be... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it makes sense. And imagine if you have thoughts of, you know, I'm not... Um, I'm not worth, like, I, I shouldn't be sitting here, I, I haven't studied, uh, what am I doing, it's, mm -hmm. this is going to go really bad. I mean, those are much harder to get rid of as thoughts when you are in, in an exam. Uh, yeah, exactly, and I think we touched on it last time where it's like, just seeing one question that you don't know can throw you off the rest of the exam. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, I don't know that one, but as we mentioned, what if in that moment you could take a breath and then quite, let me be present with question two. Let me give all my energy to question two and then rather than let one yeah. tricky thing just derail you think, oh my God, I can't do this question. What if I fail and I'm not going to do yeah. this and I'm not going to get into work and yeah. you know what I mean? It can have a paralyzing, almost paralyzing effect yeah. in an exam or you're not going to produce your best, exactly. your best answers. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, so that makes sense and perhaps um, that happens, you know, but then there's a psychological dimension to it. So if you start practicing mindfulness and also, you know, if, if you have your exams a while after, mm. a couple of months after, let's say, mm -hmm. and between two and four months after they had them, um, there's lots of places where mindfulness could be influencing your life in some way. So what we thought is, this is just theories for now, we need to actually, you know, confirm mm. it in, with more studies and more research. But for the people who perhaps were not very happy with what they were doing, and there may be lots of reasons, but perhaps they, you know, they, they, the way to engage with studies was with, through the medium of fear. You know, I, I'd better study this because otherwise my life will mm. be ruined yes. and things like that. So perhaps if after the mindfulness, if they changed their perspective and, and this was, we did some qualitative interviews. So we interviewed some of the people yeah. who at exams after having a mindfulness course and we uh, we found that many of them speak about the change in perspective so if you change your perspective to a wider perspective of life mm -hmm. you say actually why do i have to do things driven by fear or driven by what other people say or whatever 
um, perhaps also they were their the way of studying is cramming and and stopping everything else and just having a really bad time and mm. you know having a horrible month when they realize okay they they know a lot when they sit down and and do the exam but all their other the, the life outside the exams is really struggling and taking it all so perhaps they think well actually I don't want to have a horrible month or a horrible couple of months or term. I want to keep on doing my activities that I enjoy apart from studying or, you know, that make that make me healthy or whatever, like sports or, or social relationships or whatever. Mm -hmm. And perhaps they study a bit less, they cram a bit less and then they have a worse outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perhaps. That's, that's one option or they have a worse outcome because they were not so engaged because if fear was in, was the thing that were engaging it was mm. that was engaging them with with studying perhaps they are like you know what I can't be that bothered now okay yeah. well I'm going to see the exam I'm going to do it because I'm here already but so who knows I mean that can be happening so mindfulness is loosening up some things there and the process is not necessarily going to automatically uh, be a, a positive one in the short mm. term, but it may be good in the long term. Yes. So some studies, uh, some students, when they were interviewed, and this is a really small sample, but they, there's interesting things there. So one was saying, I crammed less. Mm. So perhaps that's why I didn't get the, the mark that I wanted. Mm. But I learned how to start studying beforehand, like bef so that I don't have to cram. So perhaps next next year, next academic year, what mm. I will do is, uh, is I will start earlier yeah. and I won't cram because now I'm really clear that uh, cramming makes my life miserable. Yeah. So, you know, perhaps if we follow that person, perhaps next year they will do better. Mm. But this year that was a bit tricky yeah. with exams. So there's lots of factors uh, when you think about exams. Uh, perhaps that's why we see a complex picture of some people getting first, perhaps those people are very engaged already from a positive side of view, from use, they, are, they have use stress, not distress when they go to yeah. exams. And what mindfulness does is it really makes them shine mm. and they get a first because it comes, because exams, you know, when they study, they, they, they feel inspired and mindfulness perhaps makes them realize that and they mm -hmm. just go ahead and, yeah. and uh, shine. And Which is what university, it's kind of all about, right? Should be, yeah. If you come to university and say, look, I want to study English. I'm going to come to Cambridge. I'm going to study English. Well, it's like, you know, you're only a young kid. You're 18, 19 when you come here. You know, the, the majority of students, you know. So what do you know about what you want in life? Yes. And that's kind of what this, this place should, should offer. It's like, you, you know, there's different subjects that you can study. But what we're really trying to embody is preparing you for the world ahead. Yes. And part of that is, you know, trying to really define what makes you happy you know how do you want to contribute in society yeah yeah and you know is it being an accountant you know is it you know working in finance and whatever you know in the corporate ladder or is it you know helping people and you can help people by in technology you can help people with pollution or you can help in education there's a million things yeah but at least if you what, what you're saying through the mindfulness, it, it allows you that space and now just observe your life in a, in a slightly different way. Yeah. And, you know, with that alleviates so much of the stress and yes. the 
and you know maybe like you said someone does completely change their career path or their education path or maybe someone decides that education isn't for them or that, that they find something else that they're actually passionate about and if you're passionate about it the odds are you're probably going to do better yeah yeah or perhaps less extreme but equally important they they decide that they don't want to spend 100% of their time doing x mm-hmm. and they also want to explore y or whatever and and that yeah that means that they may study a bit less or a bit more they need a bit more time mm-hmm. um yeah I, there's there's you know mindfulness is is a tool that will help or may help but you know the studies show that actually there's a good chance that it helps individuals to mm-hmm. to to improve to do better to choose better to reflect and feel able to to change and to and to explore more freely um, but we also need changes in the system to allow those things. So yeah. mindfulness and other um, interventions like this one uh, aimed at individuals are one leg of it, but mm-hmm. you need the other leg. And well, I'm not a researcher or nothing. Uh, I, I, I don't really know from the professional point of view, but I do feel that the system is not geared, like the system is kind of assuming that you know exactly what you will do and it's kind of um, shaping you like a factory, yeah? yeah. So mass production of mm. boxes who will then fit into yeah. that part of society and uh, perhaps human minds, particularly when it comes to academic work, yeah. they need a bit more leeway mm-hmm. and they need more support and they need to be... Um, yeah, exactly. Treated more, um, giving them more space for creativity and for reflection, and and yeah, mindfulness goes well with that type of education. Uh, perhaps we need to think how how the system could help because there's there's a limit. I feel, and this is going a bit off topic, but off topic. But there's a limit to what the individual can do. Like you, you can try to improve yourself. Mm. Um, like using lots of things, you know, personal development tools, mindfulness and others. But if the whole society is planned in, in a way that is contrary to that, you have so many barriers ahead. And at some point it's hard. It's really, you need a lot of courage and determination and discipline and everything. So, so there's these two things which I increasingly, increasingly feel that we need to mention both when we talk about prevention of mental health problems and physical health problems and lots of things mm-hmm. which have social determinants and not just you know the fact that you pay you're able to pay more attention to things or less yeah. there's there's other determinants and they are really hard to, to fight and to go against mm-hmm. if it's just the individual who is being empowered and there's no change in the system so sorry about that but no, it's perfect I yeah, yeah. I felt it's important to say it. Um, so given the success of the, the last research project, what, what has been the reaction to that? And you know, what, what has that opened the, door, the doors to? Yeah, that's, um, yeah that's, that has been very exciting for me as a, in my career development um, because, well, the, the study got uh, quite a bit of promotion and mm-hmm. uh, and that helped me also to make the case for, for more mindfulness research. So I sent an application to the NIHR, which is the research arm of the NHS, yeah. f- 
for more research into the prevention, into mindfulness as, as well, what we were mentioning to promote yep. mental mm -hmm. health. And they said yes, they actually Which was wonderful, uh, yeah. are going to fund. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. So I'm starting that one. Mm -hmm. uh, we still have um, more things to analyze from the, from the trial and other projects. I, I've been joined by students in the last year who have been doing really wonderful things. It's these qualitative interviews and there's another one doing a systematic review and meta-analysis, which means you, you get together all the studies that measured similar things and try to get an average of yeah. the effects. Um, yeah, a long-term follow-up of people, perhaps a three or four year follow-up. So all those things are, are there in the horizon. Yeah, plus the fellowship uh, project, which which will be very exciting. Yeah. So, where do you see mindfulness as part of you know the being a part of the fabric of the education system here in Cambridge? Is that is that one of your long long term visions? And yeah, in terms of the the institution, um, now that that they 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 know the results of the trial. Another thing that's being done now is an economic evaluation so that means to see what's the what's the cost of the intervention mm -hmm. and see what the benefits what benefits in terms of health and mental health it, it brought and then compare that to other you know po uh, possible interventions or other things and see whether the benefits are worth the cost or perhaps they bring the same benefits at a greater cost. So, so mm -hmm. those analyses are called economic evaluations, and there's there's one now going on here. Um, that will inform the authorities as well as to how cost-effective mindfulness could be. Uh, but yeah, they are now um, trying to secure funds for a long-term provision of the mindfulness course. Yeah. I think that's that's quite possible that it's going to go ahead. Nice. Um, so yeah, so that's probably the, the main um, and immediate consequence of, of, the, of the trial. Other universities are interested as well, mm -hmm. and they are, they are closely following the developments here in Cambridge, mm -hmm. so there may be a spread of, sure. of the course and similar initiatives, yeah. So if we want to find out more and some of the, of the research and the results, you know, where can our listeners go? Well, if you want to read the, the paper, that's uh, in the Lancet Public Health. So I'm the first author, and if you Google pub Lancet Public Health and my name and mindfulness... Links yeah, in the description. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And then there's also, uh, the study has um, Twitter and a Facebook account, and yeah. we, we post all the updates there okay. as well. So yes, please follow. And also the other studies will be updated through, through those. Okay. Yeah. There's right. there's some news as well. If you Google, you, you'll right. Find so it, it yeah. will all be in the description. Great. Anyway. Okay. Okay. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. And remember, if you'd like to help create a kinder and happier world, please get involved with Action for Happiness. You can join thousands of others who are spreading a bit more happiness in their homes, workplaces, schools, and local communities. Don't forget to subscribe, like and follow to keep up to date with our content. Find out more at actionforhappiness.org. Join the movement, be the change.